So Eric, how has your summer been as far as getting your day started? We both have kiddos who are on a totally different, well, at least my kids are on a totally different schedule. But I'm curious, especially your daughter, she's on a all-year schedule, correct? Right. She's on a balanced calendar. And so they do have a summer break, but it's only a month and a half or so long. And they have a like a supplemental child care over that month and a half. And okay. I'm trying to give her the independence to choose which day she's there or not. So the further into summer, the more she wants to keep changing things. And it's kind of a drag because it's hard to keep my schedule straight. Um, requires a lot because she doesn't have these uh, like caked in notions of let's have a consistent schedule week after week to make certain parts of our life easier so that we can focus on like the important things. The only thing that she wants is to be there on Wednesdays because they have field trips, like going to see Toy Story 4. And then the other days, it's just like whatever she's feeling. (laughs) However, she is learning an important lesson because once she makes a decision, I have to sign up for the schedule a week in advance. I have to pay for it. uh, And then there's no changing her mind. Yeah, the good old changing your mind thing. That's really hard when you're under seven. People aren't that flexible uh, when it comes to that. Are you able to like sign up for one day a week? Yeah. Okay, so that's pretty nice that they allow you to do that. Because I know some daycares and summer programs, they don't let you do that. They require like a certain number of days. I think which is part of the reason why we didn't end up signing our kids up for any summer care. Because the one through their school only offered all week summer care. And as some of you may know, my wife works part-time. So she's around Mondays and Fridays. So it's really not necessary for us to pay five days of daycare. Quite frankly, like I work from home, so especially with the older ones, they can be occupied, which they are right now, while we're recording this episode. Whereas like the little ones, uh, they need supervision constantly. So luckily I have some relatives who help with that. But have you had any issues with like getting your day started? Over the summer, it's becoming more and more challenging. Over the school year, there were some changes and a lot of that had to revolve around the bus schedule. So the bus picked her up at a very specific time, and it was really early. So that meant that she had to go to bed really early, which was another drag. Waking her up early, she was grumpy. She didn't want to do all of the like her morning routine. And then that just took more effort and time away from me getting my stuff done. So at some point, I took a cue from a friend of mine and decided, I'm just going to drive her because it's a 10-minute drive. and I spend way more than that trying to get her moving along when I have to wake her up an hour early. So now she gets an hour extra rest when school's in and then everyone is more happy and we get through our stuff a lot faster. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is she starting her summer days the same time she's starting her school days? No, she starts childcare about half an hour later. Okay. I could bring her in as early as seven, but school starts at 8.30. I tend to bring her in around nine. I feel like that's been the case with me as far as taking the kids into like a summer camp. You could take them in earlier, but it costs more. And for me, especially when I'm taking them out to like the gym where they might have a kid's camp, it's like, well, heck, you know, it's a good opportunity for me to get a workout in at the same time. So I just make that part of my schedule. It doesn't cost extra for me to drop her off as early as seven, but usually she wants to sleep in until close to eight. So I ended up just using that time while she's asleep to wake up and 
I've talked about, like, it's easier for me to do my routine at home, uh, whether it's exercising or whatever. And my wife will be here so I can go for a jog or anything like that. So I'm more like of the mind of waking up early so that I can get it done as much of the like taking care of myself to get myself ready for the day before she gets up. So I can like partition those two things and focus on me. I'm ready. Then I can focus on her and get her ready. So before we get into the adult side of getting your day started, maybe now Eric is a good opportunity for you to plug our social media accounts. Sure. Hey, by the way, you're listening to the OK Productive podcast. If you hadn't already realized that, if you're here by mistake, I hope you stay tuned. And if you like what you hear, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at OK Productive. That's all one word, no spaces or special characters or anything. And you can also find our episodes and subscribe on our website, okproductive.com. Have you ever listened to a podcast on accident? I don't think so. Would that be a happy accident, though, if you started listening to the podcast on accident? Yeah, it's like the Bob Ross accidental listening to a podcast, and you just uh, go with it, and you discover that it's the most pleasant and rewarding thing ever. (laughs) So our first episode, 100 years ago, we did sleeping. I think it's underrated how important sleeping is to productivity. And I thought, we're here, episode 26 now. Maybe we should discuss a little bit more, a follow-up to that. You know, hopefully you have a good night's sleep. What do you do to get your momentum going on your day? And um, we'll talk mostly about the morning, but for some people, they have different times of day that they can get a lot of work done. But for you, Eric, how do you build momentum to your day after a long night's sleep? By long night, do you mean like if I oversleep or... I'm just getting a solid amount of rest. I'm getting a solid amount of rest. Thank you for differentiating that. Okay. And so when I get a good night's rest, actually, I guess whether or not I get a good night's rest, I try to stick to my morning routine. Although, like, for example, as we drag into summer and all of the uh, chaos with getting my daughter ready for childcare ensues, it's getting harder and harder. I try to stick to that routine. And even if it's just something, Like this morning, I did a little bit of exercising and it wasn't my full routine. I just didn't have it in me, but I needed to do something because I know that, you know, if that kind of stuff is weighing on me, I'm just going to regret it. And I'm not going to like shame myself or anything like that, but I know that all of my routine is pretty simple stuff and it doesn't take much to just do some push-ups or go and just jog a little bit or do something. So when you say routine, is it the same thing every day or is it certain things, certain days or what do you exactly do you mean by routine? Kind of. I've had some revelations. So for taking care of my body, physical activity, I don't get a lot through the day because a lot of what I do is sitting down. So I try to do something for my body every day, but it's not the same thing. I do a couple of days of weight training and mobility. Do you have like actual weights or is it like just body weight? It depends. If I'm not at home and I don't have access to my weights, I have a handful of exercises that I keep at the back of my head that I can do that are still strength training, but they're all body weight. And then um, I do cardio a couple of days and then three days I stretch. So there's. So you said you do jogging. Is that right? Your cardio? Yeah. Unless it's like Michigan deep winter, you know, those like seven months of the year 
Where it's like 20 below and your face is going to freeze off. Yeah. Yep. Where I'll bike. I have a wind trainer in the basement that I can set up. Okay. Gotcha. But it's something every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a few options. Most of the time I end up working at my local gym. There I tend to do either the elliptical if I have enough time or I'll do a stair stepper because I can get a ton of calories out in a short amount of time. And then I also do like a rowing machine or some weights along with that. When weather's really nice, I might drive to the park and go for a run. And then when the weather sucks and I don't want to go to the gym, I might work out in the basement and play on the Switch while on a stair stepper. Well, it's more like an elliptical, I guess, one of those little small ones. But I try to get some workout every day, like just anything. I own an Apple Watch, and I'm pretty regular about trying to get all the calories I want to get in for that day. So I'll find one way or another to do that. So, And another thing is I am a coffee drinker. I love coffee. Asked folks on Twitter, and uh, Justin Jackson wrote back about how important coffee is for him. And I agree, Like coffee is pretty important to get my day started. I do definitely try to follow the don't drink before 4 p.m. roughly. So I kind of stop with the caffeine around 4 p.m. But I'm a big, big fan of coffee. I like coffee a lot. Do you drink coffee much? I do. I wouldn't say much. I try to stop at lunch with any kind of uh, caffeine intake and uh, try and think of it in terms of doses, like I'm medicating myself. And if you don't mind uh, me sharing another story. I had a gallstone last fall slash winter and had to have my gallbladder removed. And so my body's ability to process fats and digest fats is in a transitional mode, I guess, to try and uh, put it nicely. So you're transitioning to eating more fats. Is that correct? I'm actually like my body's readjusting to being able to digest fats because it doesn't have a gallbladder. Okay, gotcha. I won't go into the details, but it means that. Initially, I had to completely remove my normal morning beverage, which was a high-calorie coffee drink that had like peanut butter, coconut oil, butter, and then a scoop of protein powder in it. Okay. And it tastes really good, but it's super high in fat. And that like calorie kick plus the caffeine got me a long way through the day. And that was all I needed. But now with my body still figuring out fats to a certain extent... I've changed it up, so I don't always incorporate the coffee and the coconut oils and peanut butter and like a lot of the fatty stuff and do these like low-fat cream cheese milkshakes. And those are pretty good. They're still pretty high calorie, but don't have as much fat. And they also don't have the caffeine. And discovering that I don't always need the coffee to get me going, the high amount of calories seems to be getting me through more of the day than the caffeine. Interesting. So it sounds like that's your breakfast more or less, right? Yes. Yeah, that is breakfast. Okay. I have pretty regularly skipped breakfast. I'm trying to do like an intermittent fasting thing in the morning and basically eat like a big lunch. So, you know, if I'm hungry in the morning, like really hungry and I didn't eat anything the night before, I might have breakfast, but I usually try to avoid breakfast just to have more calories than I actually need. So maybe we should get into, is morning your most productive part of your day? Are you a morning person? Well, actually, do you mind if I ask about, it sounds like the 
skipping breakfast is intentional? Has that always been the case? Or has it been like reflections on not just eating breakfast for a while and then trying to form a diet around that? Yeah, that's a really great question. I find myself through most of my life not hungry in the morning. And I feel like forcing myself to eat extra calories in the morning when I really don't need to, I don't find it super helpful. So it's basically like, okay, if I'm going to try to to limit the amount of calories I'm taking, why force myself to eat when I'm not hungry? And that's kind of part of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I like that you're listening to your body and then trying to figure out how to adjust your diet to accommodate what your body is telling you instead of just prescribing to some method that some person wrote on a blog or something like that. Right. And I mean, I think it's been proven that like the whole idea of breakfast, the most important meal of the day is like kind of BS. I mean, it's not to say I don't like breakfast. I love breakfast, but like I can eat pancakes and eggs and bacon at 12 o'clock. Why do I need to do it at eight o'clock? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't usually eat breakfast pretty regularly. I try to skip it because I try to limit the calories I take in. Okay. I take it you do drink coffee in the morning or water or yes. something? I drink coffee and water basically till 4 p.m., 3 p.m., and then I, I cut myself off after that. Gotcha. For me, like morning is the best time to schedule the things I need to get done. It's like where my momentum is. And then I would say my worst part of the day is like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, where it's just like I'm pretty much running out of steam. I might get a second wind around 8 o'clock. 30, 7.30, 30, but typically my best, most productive part of my day is like 8 to like maybe like 1 or 2. So I usually try to schedule the stuff that I really want to get done in that early part of the day. As far as like exercise, I typically do that in the morning, but some days I try to like fight my body and I try to get exercise in actually my most sluggish part of the day because it's mentally easier for me to work out as opposed to try to force myself to do writing or coding or whatever work I'm trying to get done. Why do you think it's easier to follow through on something like exercise than it is to do something like the coding or emails or whatever? Uh, There's just so much mental processing and it's fighting against my natural inclination of what I've liked to do. I guess coding wouldn't be so bad, but like writing English words would be a real challenge later in the afternoon. So, you know, I almost at a point where like I'm stressed out, the best thing I can do is like go to the gym or go work out in some fashion, especially cardio, because that doesn't take brain power. It takes physical exhaustion, but it's not brain power in a sense. I almost get like a little high from it as well, which is kind of helpful for carrying that momentum forward to the rest of the day. Do you remember when you first started any kind of a fitness routine, whether it required additional mental fortitude or motivation to get yourself to the gym? Oh, that's a really great question. I think I started like in college because I pretty much played sports as a kid. I had one sport or two sports a year maybe that I do. So like basketball or football or track, but I was never like a big cardio person. And then college, I started uh, just going to the gym at, at the college. I just got into a routine because I'm sitting at a desk all day. I needed something to do. And then later on, I started getting into like long distance running, like out of nowhere, because I found it to be kind of like relaxing. I started getting into like almost a runner's high 
especially when you have like a portable music player that helped a lot. And then I did a lot of long distance running. And then around the time we had kids, I was like, okay, when you have kids, it can be really, really difficult to get exercise in. So uh, that's when I like decided to join a gym and hopefully something that the, where I can bring the kids along as well, which is what I'm doing now. So I'll bring the kids along and I just make a habit of three days a week, just at least going to the gym. But now I'm like pretty much working out every day, even if I don't go to the gym. Yeah. So it sounds like by developing the routine, you've kind of eliminated any kind of um, motivation or drive that it takes to get you to do some physical activity in the morning. Yeah. I think it's a combination of habit and scheduling. Like if you put it in your calendar that you're going to work out and you make it a routine, I think it makes it a lot easier. But if you are just like, I'm just going to work out on Tuesday, but you don't have a time set, you don't have it time boxed in your calendar, it's going to be really difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, I agree with a lot of that. Not that we're arguing here. <laughs> For me, it's a lot of uh, relative, like everything is relative to me getting out of bed. So I get out of bed and then go to the bathroom, have my breakfast drink, and then I do my exercise or stretching or whatever it is. So it's all relative, but it's that consistency that has really helped me remove the mental barriers, which they creep in like this morning. And then also like after my surgery last winter, there was a period where I couldn't lift anything more than like 25 pounds. So I had to redevelop the habit and the routines. And that was a slog that took a lot more effort to get back into the routine. So like one of my biggest challenges is when I'm in that afternoon part of the day where I just am mentally exhausted, like that's where the distractions start creeping in. What do you do to remove those distractions? Because like, I know when I have like a flow going, I try to like do, do not disturb. I close my email, close social media. But like the biggest challenge is when I'm like mentally exhausted. That's when distractions can happen. And I find myself casually like surfing the web, essentially. What are some things that you do? I'm still figuring it out. But some things that I'm trying right now are when I notice that I'm getting distracted. I'll just roll with it and I will just acknowledge that there is something that my mind needs right now that I'm not into the work that I'm supposed to be doing or supposed to or like whatever I've prioritized. So I'll try to just get up and step away. And, you know, if I just need to step away and spend some time on my phone and scroll through uh, Twitter or read about the latest board games or even just like go for a walk or go pull some weeds in the driveway or something like that. I'll try and just follow the cues of my mind and my body. What I'd like to try is maybe having like a bucket list of items that I will find easy and delightful to do when I am like distracted. So like almost have like a backup to-do list of things to do when I'm in that mode. And I think that could be helpful as well because one of the things is like I could find myself saying, oh, I should work on this article, but I really want to test this piece of software. I want to code this thing. And that might be a good idea. Maybe a little experiment to try to like have a second to-do list of distraction things to do. I don't know. That's something I want to try because I have projects I want to work on and then I have the projects I should be working on. And it's almost like maybe those little fun projects are things I could do when I'm distracted. Yeah, and I think our recent guest, Christian Jenko, Right. Also said that as part of his task list, he put in 
some uh, ideas for like snacks and certain things to do when he is in certain states that are just kind of like he's identified those. He's picked up on his body and mental cues to say like, oh, this is like I figured out that I'm hungry. I just need a snack or I need to take a break or whatever. So I like the idea. And it's almost like a, a theme that we're unintentionally coming across right here is that our bodies give us cues. And if we're listening, then we can identify those. And the more we practice that, the more we can readily identify and satisfy our needs so that we can get back to the things that we've prioritized for our day or our week. Maybe later in the episode, I'll tell about my current distraction, what I do when I'm distracted. But I don't want to get into that now because then I'll, I'll talk about it too much. Okay. One of the things I found that can really get me in a rut in the morning is not having like a plan to follow. So for instance, there's been days where I just did not have a plan about what the next thing I'm supposed to do is. And then I just aimlessly like work on email or code something I'm not supposed to be working on. I think that's one thing is just having some sort of plan to follow. Otherwise, you can get up that morning and you're like, wait, what am I supposed to be working on? Especially if you're your own boss, of course. What do you do to avoid those kind of situations? I have a, a weekly checklist that I do, and I try to make sure that I have enough to fill my week up. And then a lot of that stuff is scheduled, but just by day. And then I have maybe half or two thirds of that list is just things that I can do whenever I find the time. So I almost always have stuff that I can pull from there. And it's challenging because none of that list is in a priority order. So it gives me the opportunity to find things where, you know, if I have five or 10 minutes, I can see like, what can I make progress on in that five or 10 minutes? But it's not necessarily the most important thing for me to be working on. However, it does give me that idea that you know, these are all the things that I want to accomplish this week. And as long as I'm making progress on something from there, I am moving in a positive direction instead of like sitting idle or falling back on any progress that I made. And this weekly checklist, this is just uh, like a text file, essentially. Yeah. So my friend Katie turned me on to this free web app called Notion. There's a paid version, but I use the free one for my to-do. And I actually created a template. One of our listeners, T-Lock, hi T-Lock reached out and asked if I could share those with him. So I turned it into a template so that I could share it more easily for anyone who wanted. So like, if anyone wants a, to see what it is or actually follow the link and see how easy it is to actually set up a really simple one page, like easy to print or easy to check off on a computer or on your phone, I can share that. I'll include it in the notes and put it on social media too. Cool. Anything else you want to mention before we close out? So I have two things I'm kind of curious about. One is if you suddenly have some time freed up and it's unplanned or there's an interruption that completely throws off your day or your week, what kinds of things have you tried? Or is that something that you struggle with or happens very often? Yeah, that's a really great question. So a couple of things. Let's deep dive into each of those. So if I have extra time, I have right now like a spreadsheet of tasks to do. And when I have spare time, I'll tend to go either work on whatever is the highest priority or work on something that is going to be easier for me to pick up. So that is always helpful. The other thing is that if I have an interruption, there's always some sort of task that I can pick up and do for five minutes or 10 minutes. 
So one thing is, especially when I'm in a rut, I found that just doing something, saying, going into something new with the intention of only working on it for like 10 minutes helps me build momentum because then that way it's like, okay, I'm only going to work on this for 10 minutes and then I can do something fun. What I find is like when that 10 minutes is up, the momentum is already going that I want to continue working on it at that point. So I found that really helpful. Yeah, I think those are the two things is just having some sort of to-do list that's prioritized so that either A, you can pick up whatever is super important or B, pick up something that you really want to do that is quote unquote fun or easy to pick up quickly. And then going at it with the intention of going at it for only like 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And then you can pretty much trick yourself into working on it even longer than you had originally intended. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it gives me some other ideas that I want to ask you about, but I think they're bigger topics that maybe we can reserve for future episodes. Like I'm curious about the 10 minute point. And then earlier in the episode, you had mentioned something about only having enough energy to work on certain tasks for a certain amount of time. And that's something that I've realized with myself as well. Coding, I don't know if it's because I've conditioned myself since I was 12 years old to be able to like sit down and pay attention and do the problem solving and programming a website or software. But then there are other things that I don't do as often and I'm unable to work on those for an extended period of time before I need a break or I just become an emotional wreck and need to step away. Yeah, and I think it takes practice. Like certain people are really attuned to certain skills. And depending on how much you do it, it's going to be hard when you first start off. So yeah, I think we can definitely talk about those in later episodes. If you have any suggestions, audience, about ways to get your momentum going, tweet at us at OK Productive. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this subject or anything else on this episode. What are some ways that you get your momentum going throughout the day? Are you, is it exercise? Is it having a calendar? What specifically is that one thing that's helped you a lot? Let us know. We're on Twitter at OK Productive and then Instagram as well and Facebook. Anything else before we close out our show? Something else in addition to like what gets your day going is like where you like to focus that initial energy on the morning. Is it on work where you're making your money? Is it on yourself? Is it on your house? Because I know some people who like to tidy up and clean and keep their environment clean. So I'm really curious to learn about like a wide breadth of different types of people and you know how they get their day going too. So anything that's like quirky or not the typical, what we consider typical routine of like getting up and brushing teeth and like taking care of ourselves. So anything that's uh, maybe out of the ordinary or things that work especially well that's unique to you. I'd love to hear that from audience members. Cool. So I have been really distracted lately with Mario Maker. That's been my go-to thing for break time. Like breaks are super important. So I have really enjoyed that. I'm waiting for you to get the game so we can trade levels. I think it would be a great way to be productive is building a ton of levels. My daughter loves Princess Peach and I want to check it out because right now she's playing this app called CodeSpark, which looks like Mario Maker, but it's not the Mario theme. So I think she'd get a kick out of it. And also CodeSpark is a monthly subscription where Mario Maker is just like you pay one time, right? Right, exactly. So Eric, you hosted your demo night, but this month it was with 
kids at a local like kid maker store, correct? Yeah, there's a local shop in the mall called Tinker Lab, and it's kind of like a makerspace for kids. And they host classes and stuff like that. And this event, it's like show and tell, but all focused on like technology. And I wanted to do one just for kids. So my daughter, who's six, come out and talk about CodeSpark and then had uh, half a dozen other kids showing Ozobots and Bloxels and all kinds of stuff that was just like really, really impressive to see all the things that kids are getting into these days. And I wish so bad that I had when I was a kid. But, you know, now I have an opportunity to (laughs) re-experience my childhood through my daughter. So I'm excited about that. It was a fun event. I'd like to get some ideas from the audience. We have you know, a decent developer audience, but what are some really cool toys that you have seen really are helpful to kids to like teach them how to program and logic and that kind of stuff. So tweet at us any suggestions you have about that. But there was some like, yeah, the Bloxels was pretty cool. Yeah. Seemed like CodeSpark is more like teaching kids how to like program, whereas Bloxels was more how to build a level. Is that correct? I think it covers both. Okay, okay. Kids only get five minutes to show something at this event. You know, they, they didn't have the opportunity to really dig into other features. But yeah, if you do share something that you're working with to get your kids into coding or logic or like any kind of STEAM activities, let us know what age they are as well, because there can be a big difference between something that is for a kid who can't quite read and someone who's in middle school. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, happy as always. Good to talk to you and catch up. Yeah, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.